This is episode number 307, How to Read Body Language and Maximize Connection with Mark Bowden. Welcome to the Sonia Looney Show. This is a podcast about high performance and well-being, and I'm your host, Sonia. And if you're new around here, I am a world and multi-time national champion in mountain biking, and I still race professionally. I'm a health and mental performance coach, a writer, a mom of two little kids, and I own my own business. And if you're not new around here, welcome. I'm so glad that you're back, and I'm so grateful that you are part of this awesome community and that we get to learn and grow together. The horizontal level at which you gesture has incredibly profound effect on the way people judge you and what you're saying. So not just the gestures that your hands are making, but literally the horizontal level compared to your body. Because our bodies across the planet are very much the same, very much the same. And the relationship in height that the hands are to the rest of that body helps other people and yourself understand the frame of mind, the operation, the situation that you may well be in, how you're thinking and feeling about the world. And so when you have hands at navel height, which is a very vulnerable area of your body, especially if you're doing open palm gestures at navel height, signal of no tools, no weapons at exactly navel height, you will feel very calm and assertive. People will see you as calm and assertive. Your voice will become calm and assertive. This podcast is such a great opportunity to continue expanding and learning new things. And once I discovered Mark Bowden and his books, I was really excited to get him on the podcast. Mark is a body language expert. He's a keynote speaker and best-selling author of the books Winning Body Language, Winning Body Language for Sales Professionals, Tame the Primitive Brain, and Truth and Lies, What People Are Really Thinking. I highly recommend picking up Winning Body Language and also Truth and Lies, What People Are Really Thinking, because those are my two favorites. He's well known for his TEDx talk, The Importance of Being Authentic, and his YouTube channel and weekly show, The Behavior Panel. If you just go to his website, there is so much information on there to start your journey on understanding not only body language, but how to understand nonverbal communication. And Mark has a system of nonverbal communication called Gesture Plane that helps audiences maximize the power of using their own body to stand out win trust, and gain credibility. It's something that we talked about in today's podcast. Even something as simple of where you hold your hands while you're talking can change the tone of your voice and can change the amount of energy that you're bringing forth. Mark is also the founder of a communication training company called Truth Plane, where he offers presentation skills training with live sessions or online learning. Whether you're somebody who just wants to improve at your personal relationships or you are wanting to improve your relationships at work and in business, you will definitely get something from this podcast. Mark trains business and political leaders, and he is the go-to media commentator on body language of politicians, celebrities, and public figures for CNN, CBS, and Global News. And he is frequently quoted in the Wall Street Journal, Washington Post, and GQ Magazine. In fact, if you go to his website, he will have his behavior panel and they will look at certain even athletes or people in the media and they'll analyze what they're conveying with their body language. It's fascinating to check out. I was a little bit nervous doing this podcast with him because I was wondering, what's he going to be thinking about me while he watches me? Something that really stood out is the importance of curiosity. And that is one of my top values. Curiosity tends to be the thread that goes through everything that we talk about on this podcast. And if you start looking around in your life, curiosity is something that unlocks so many different fun topics and pieces of conversation and insight. If you're enjoying this podcast, make sure you subscribe to my newsletter. That is at sonyalooney.com slash newsletter, where each week I will send you an article that I write in the topic of mindset, motivation, and habits. And also I will shoot you the podcast episode of the week, as well as one question for you to ponder. Thank you to those of you who are supporting my work on Patreon and PayPal. Those donations do not go unnoticed every single month as it helps to pay my audio producer, Roma, and my assistant, Rebecca. And speaking of support for the show, I want to thank our podcast sponsor, Athletic Greens, and their supplement, AG1. I started taking Athletic Greens because they have everything in one scoop of powder that you just put in water and drink. So you don't have to manage all of these different pill bottles. You don't have to wonder, when should I be taking this? When should I be taking that? Or did I take that supplement or that vitamin today? 
I also am a really big fan of adaptogens as somebody that pushes myself to the limit, both mentally and physically. And AG1 has a lot of different adaptogens and probiotics and also whole food source superfoods. They're also NSF certified. So if you are concerned about contamination, whether you're being drug tested or you just want the highest level of certification of a supplement, they have that level as well. I've heard people report improvements in their HRV from AG1 if they're tracking their HRV and just an improvement in their energy. Something else that's been on my mind lately is supporting climate neutral certified companies and Athletic Greens is one of those companies. Voting with your dollar is one of the best ways to make changes in your world and to support companies that are doing big things. And it's really interesting how these days the corporate world can help move the needle with important topics like climate change. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs of AG1 with your first purchase. And vitamin D is important because most of us don't get enough sunshine. And even if you're wearing sunscreen, that's going to make it harder for you to produce vitamin D. So all you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com Sonia. And again, that is athleticgreens.com Sonia to take ownership of your, over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. And that will support this show as well, and it is much appreciated. Don't forget to hit that subscribe button if you enjoyed this episode and to share it with your friends as that is the best way for it to reach others. Okay, so let's dive right in and give you some actionable things that you can do to improve your relationships with your nonverbal communication. Here is Mark Bowden. Mark, cool. welcome to the show. Well, it's great to be here. Thanks for having me, Sonia. Well, we've already had a fun conversation as to the different rooms that we are residing in. How am I doing so far with the the body language reading? Well, pretty good. You know what? You know, I haven't really been reading your body language, just <laughs> reading your room instead. And you've already told me a whole bunch about yourself just by me going, hey, what's that bite? Who's the cyclist? Like you or somebody you live with or, you know, and then you told me about your spiritual alignments as well based on some of the ideas that that my guess is, is you picked up in Nepal. And, and so, you know, you've actually already told me a lot about your value system simply by me being inquisitive about the environment that you've chosen to be in. Yeah. And I can tell that you love Hawaii and you have a seemingly good relationship with your mom. And also that you value your behavior panel, because I see your coffee cup there that has the pictures of all of your, your buddies on there. Absolutely. And you know what? This behavior panel logo on the mug is on a symbol of resource and comfort. So mm -hmm. not only is it, you know, it isn't just a logo, it's a logo on something that you would associate uh, with, you know, hanging out in a comfortable place, having some kind of resource, being warm. So, so it's even more than just a logo. And so the power of curiosity is something that seems to be very important when it comes to understanding other people. Yeah, you've got to be as curious as you possibly can be within the confines of, of the amount of time and energy that you have for any one person or a, or a situation. But I think you can always leave us more curiosity than you imagine and more interesting information than you possibly imagine. I mean, imagine if we'd have got on the conversation together and I'd, I'd have taken you at face value, which kind of means, you know, there's a human being in front of me. I'm just going to look at your face and I'm just going to judge you based on that. Well, there's, look, I mean, there's nothing wrong with that, but it's so much more interesting when I go, before I even get into you, where are you? Before I even think about you, what is the context of you? And that gave me, you telling me, you know, maybe unwittingly, a little bit about your context means I can align with you instantly. Because what you went into was, look, you know, 
I do the cycling and, and you know, I've cycled in Nepal. And, and then I see this picture in the background, which seems to me, though it's in black and white, I've got to think <laughs> you're cycling in snow or something near a, near a mountain. And the mountain l- looks like it's going way past the boundaries of the frame. So I instantly go, wow, that's a really high mountain. And I go, wow, you're, you're cycling somewhere that most people wouldn't walk or even take a vehicle or maybe you couldn't even get a vehicle there. And then you go, oh, well, you know, because, you know, what I'm interested in is is people who really challenge themselves. That's who we're talking today to, people who really challenge themselves. And I think to myself, well, you know, I'm not one of those people that would ever take a bicycle where it should never go, but I do challenge myself. I totally do. And so what it allows me to do is instantly align with you because by not taking anything at face value, by not going, oh, that's that's a statuette of a bicycle in the background. I know, I know what that is. That's a bicycle. By going, that must mean something. By getting past the face value of it and getting into the actual value of it, the emotional value of it, or the reasoning value of it, or the spiritual value of it, the self-reflexive value of it, I get to understand how I'm more related to you than I ever thought and your audience so instantly i kind of feel more comfortable here because i know i'm with somebody who likes to challenge herself who likes to be amongst people who like to challenge themselves and whether you're doing it with a bicycle or or anything doesn't actually really how you're doing it doesn't matter it's the challenge that matters anyway i hope that that makes sense as to what in my mind happened there yeah, like so you're trying to establish almost a commonality between people so that you can have rapport and almost a common ground so that you can say, hey, I'm like you, you're like me. And it breaks down some barriers so that you can maybe have a real conversation or take your relationship past just looking at something and making a snap judgment as to what that is. Totally. I'm trying to get past that snap judgment that I know I'll make because I'm a human being. Okay, because I know it's going to happen. I know it's going to happen. I know my brain's going to look at your bookcase and go books. Okay, but that's so. Let me try this because my brain goes, "Oh, books. Oh, yeah, I got, yeah, I understand books. I got books." Okay, but it's interesting. I, you know, I'm curious about those books in the background there. What for you that you see there has been the most important in that case? You oh my know, gosh, what? I can't answer that. <laughs> all, all. Okay. All of them. Why, like why, why all of them? Like, what is it about all of them that is so important to you? So here, I think this is a fun way to say that what I enjoy is learning and that from each book, I take something into my life that's really important. So by looking at the books and asking me about the books, you can say, oh, she likes learning and she really likes having visual representations of learning too. Love it. Love it. Well, you know, when I think about learning, you know, I know people who love to learn, but some of them like the certificates that they get with Mm. that. And some of them like, you know, the better job that they might be able to get with the knowledge and better skill level and, 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 and people who like all kinds of things that come for learning. What, what for you is the most important thing that you get from that constant lifelong learning attitude? See, now you're switching the podcast around on me. I'm going to have to take back control in a second, but I'm going to answer well, your question. I'm going to answer your question. Because <laughs> it's much I, more interesting to answer my question. Well, I love learning because by learning about myself in the world, I can help other people do the same. And I think that that's what you need in order to be more fulfilled and find more meaning in your life. Yeah, I really, I really like that. That I can see it has a benefit for you, but I can see what you're saying there is is what's more important is the, is the benefit for others. And so, look, here's a, I won't interrogate you anymore, but I do have just one last thought for you. Or just I'm just so curious about it. Like, what does it say about you, do you think, that, that you want to turn your learning into help for other people? What does it say about you, do you think? Um, I'm not really sure. I think that number one is that I believe other people are capable of doing the things that I've done. And that being able to share common ground, like we talked about a few minutes ago, I'm trying to create common ground so that people feel like they can learn as well and that they can find whatever it is that's important to them in their life too. Mm, Really nice. So it feels to me like you, you totally trust in the capability of other human beings. You totally trust that they can achieve something extraordinary 
as well for them for themselves. Mm-hmm. It's interesting when I fed that back to you, you nodded your head in a way that makes me believe that you think that you feel that is actually true. And what I want people to recognize in that exchange that we had, where you you know did understand that I was completely taking over and and questioning you and interrogating you. But look from that being curious about the bookcase and going, what's the most important book for you back there? For, by getting you to create hierarchy, to which you went, hey, they're all important. And I went, okay, well, what's so important about them all being important? And you went education, learning. And I went, well, what's so important about that? And you went, well, you know, other people. And I went, well, that you find other people more important like what does that say about you and we came down to this idea that you 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 trust that people can be more than they think they are more than they ever believe they can be and you want to help that i would say very quickly we've got down to what might be an a core part of why you are who you are and that's way more interesting <laughs> for me as a, as the start of an exchange, then then so tell me about body language. Yeah, yeah, right. You cross your arms. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I cross my arms on that because because that's that stuff is kind of interesting. But all that is about. So as people might know, you know, I'm an expert on human behavior and body language, and and but all that is about is getting on better with people. All that is about is trying to understand other people better so you can better get along with them. And so my feeling would be I would be able to so much better get along with you. Not that it's difficult, okay? <laughs> but like, how could I make it even better? How could I make getting along with you even better? Well, by quite a tri- quickly understand and recognize who you, who you actually are. Who have I actually got in front of me? Because it's kind of weird, this, isn't it? Because I'm a two-dimensional representation of myself in front of you, a two-dimensional representation of you. We're, by the way, for those of you listening uh, right now, which is all of you, we are on video screens with each other. So we're not actually together in, in you know, reality. We are two-dimensional representations. And that's a bit dis- disconcerting for the mind because it means it can slightly detach from you and treat you as not entirely human and present. So it's nice to get closer to the human being. Look, you should you should take over and, and uh, stop me doing this. <laughs> I can carry on. Something that I uh, think that you said was important there was it's about trying to get along with other people. And something that you did there when you were asking me those questions is there was actually no judgment as to whether learning is good or bad or what I believe about other people is good or bad. Mm-hmm. It was just trying to understand me as a person. So if somebody is tr- has a family member or a friend or just somebody, or just maybe someone on the street you walk by who looks disagreeable, you don't have to necessarily be on the same page with values or even what you believe, but just trying to get to understanding somebody can be really powerful. Yeah. So here's what we know, Sonia, is that for the human brain, well, actually, let's take a step back. Values, what you value is really important to you. What you value is really important to me, simply because our values are very similar. Our personal values are, aren't really personal values. They belong to a group that we're part of, and that group supports us. And if our values change, or we don't understand that that group who helps us and supports us and we rely on, if we don't understand that they hold the same values, life is too dangerous. You know, we don't know that we're going to get the help and support we need to literally survive. So having values is a survival mechanism, okay? And so if we collide in in life in some way, and you understand that I don't accept your values, or I don't believe your values, no, no, I don't accept your values, you won't like me, you're designed not to like me. Okay, it's very important. You shouldn't like me because I might come into conflict with you, yeah, and I might start dismantling the world that you need, and that's not only going to affect you; it'll affect those people that you are most important to you. So you have to protect yourself from people who do not accept your values. Okay, now you would actually be fine with me disagreeing with your values. <laughs> Okay, you're fine with disagreement, but you need to know that I accept your values because I can disagree and go, but I accept yours. So I'm going to leave you alone with those. Okay, (laughs) I'm not going to impinge on those. I don't 
I don't value what you value. I don't believe what you believe, but I'm going to leave you alone because I accept you and your group. Okay. What people often do and show each other very, very quickly is that they don't accept other people's values. Okay. What I think people can do more, if you're really interested in challenging yourself, I challenge you to meet up purposely with people who you don't think you believe what they believe, yeah, or value what they value and practice accepting their values and beliefs. Doesn't mean you agree with them. You can actually go, I totally disagree with that, but I totally get that you you don't. And I totally get that's how you see the world and and that's the system under which you live. Okay. And that's good. That's fine. But I don't agree with this and I don't believe that. That's actually really challenging to do, but it's how you actually get along with people a lot better and spread your network and your influence a lot further. Anyway, I hope that makes sense, Sonia. I think it's really important what you said. Acceptance doesn't mean agreement and you don't have to agree, but especially in the world that we're living in now, there's a lot of pain. There's a lot of division and being able to have conversations without saying you're the other and I don't even accept you. I think that that's an important skill set to work on. And I like your suggestion as to say, hey, go hang out with somebody that you might not have the same values with and just see if you can get along with them because it's really important to be able to do that. Yeah. Getting along <laughs> is, is the most important social skill. <laughs> getting along. Because without getting along, you can't move along and you're more likely to move into conflict and conflict is going to cause you stress and pressure and pain and it will use up resource that you could easily be using on other stuff. Now, it's very easy for me to say to you, hey, you want to be able to get along with people because it's super hard to do super hard to do because you are designed, you have a part of your brain, the social mammalian brain, which is designed to pick up unconsciously on the signals of the other. I mean, it's just that its only purpose is to pick up on the signals of those that are like you and the signals of those that are not like you and be able to clearly black and white thinking differentiate between the two, no gray area. Like, how do I choose quickly? Who is most likely to give me a glass of water and who most likely isn't? Because, you know, even if, if you're not under stress and pressure right now, the brain thinks, well, I might be in the future, so I gotta, I gotta partition these people immediately and work out where my best chance of survival is. And if you are under stress and pressure, well, you're gonna partition those people really fast and, and, and not accurately, but safely. Okay, so so your instinct about people wants to be safe now, in order to live to be more accurate tomorrow. Yeah, but tomorrow you meet a whole bunch of other people, so you forget about those people that you inaccurately partitioned and grouped because now you're in front of a whole bunch of new people that you need to quickly go. Who am I most affiliated with? Who am I most going to survive with? So look, just taking that extra time to critically think the situation, which is like purposely think the situation, which is why I say, hey, you want to purposely go and find people who you most likely think you're going to be disagreeable with and see, and see what you can do on purpose. It's a great, uh, it's a great exercise. So I'm going to pivot here a little bit and mm -hmm. just ask about some general either things we can do with our voice or body language things because you're more than just a body language expert. You're an expert in human behavior, as you said. You know, you notice things. You're looking at things. You're also listening and using words in order to help people and yourself communicate better. So if if someone's walking into a room for the first time and adults are, it's not as easy for adults to make friends as it is for little kids. Like my son is two years old. And then this Elmo song we were listening to today, it's just saying, Hey, go ask someone to be your friend. And I actually do that sometimes as an adult. And people look at me like that was way too direct. And I'm afraid of you now because you just asked me to be my friend. So if people want to walk into a room and feel like they can make friends, feel like they're portraying confidence, how can people do that to be more likable and approachable, but also relatable with others? Yeah, lovely. Okay, look, great, great question. Uh, first of all, you want to make sure that you move into the room gently but directly, okay? So there's something, but when, if you are nervous or anxious, you're more likely to be indirect, 
So your brain is kind of going, well, I know where I should be hitting. I know where I should be going right now, but I'm not confident that it'll be safe for me there or I can accurately work out what will happen. So I'll, you know, tentatively make my way there. Well, people's peripheral vision of that will sense that there is something in the room that doesn't quite have direction right now. When I say sense, it's not an extrasensory perception. It's grabbing a multitude of data, crunching it really simply to get a best guess at is there risk in the room or is there benefit in the room. And if something is being indirect, it goes, look, best guess today to be safe is that's an indirect thing over there. And then therefore that's trouble. I'm treated as trouble right now. I'll work out tomorrow where I'm still alive, whether I was actually accurate or not. And it doesn't recognize that tomorrow you're in a whole different situation. So it never goes back to it to rejudge that situation. So be more direct. Now, having said that, if you're walking into a room and you're super direct, don't come into people's peripheral vision. Because the brainstem, that part of the brain that does shivering in a cold shower or moving your hand away when it's hot, it's also looking for things coming into peripheral vision fast. So, so it's really looking for direct stuff in peripheral vision because it knows that predators will most likely come in, a, in from your peripheral vision fast. So try and, try and move into a room directly, but, but find a place that you can move in from to approach people where they're more likely to see you in their full vision. So you won't scare them. Okay. Now, next part to this, which brings in your your lovely two year old and and how how you know you're taking that advice of going, hey, will you be my friend? Which <laughs> um, <laughs> is a great it's a great idea, but it's missed out some levels, some conversational levels there. Which is, I would suggest that most societies start any relationship at what's called a fatic level, a customary level. Fatic from I think the, the Latin or Greek. For as it's the custom. So for example, Sonia, if I say to you, hey, how are you doing? What is your reply? Fine. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> so that's fatty. That's yeah. fatty. I know that if I say, how, how, hey, how are you doing? You've got to say, fine, thank you, or okay, or good. Yeah. You know? And that helps me know if you give the right reply or you understand that as a question, that helps me understand that you're from roughly the same landmass <laughs> as me or society. Okay, like you speak English, you understand that fatic call and response. And now I can start because if I go, hey, how are you doing? And you go, well, you know what? Um, I've actually got a heart problem. And I was at the doctor the other day and and it's I'm like, okay, no, 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 we've jumped now. We've jumped to level. <laughs> well, I went, hey, how are you doing? And you went, I want to be your friend. So I, I would go, oh, okay, I've got a four-year-old. This adult is four years old because they haven't understood the structure, okay? So, so what comes after fatic? After fatic becomes data, okay? After fatic becomes data, which is, I would say, so, you know, what can I best call you? Or what's your name? Or maybe why have you come here? Or, or, or where do you live normally? Like I would ask you a data question that you're not likely to be deceptive on. Like, why would you not tell me your name? I'm not a police officer. You're not, you know, I'm not, you're not in an interrogation in a, you know, it's, it's like there's, there's stuff in a social situation like you're most likely to tell me and tell me accurately so I can get some accurate data, okay? And some of what I did early on looking at your room was going, tell me about that because I just want the data. Yeah, I want to get that far so you're comfortable that you will give me accurate data. And then I would move to evaluation. Yeah, which is if you tell me where you live, like where do you so where do you live? Close to here or somewhere, you know, or far away or yeah. And you go, oh yeah, I live in place X, I might go, oh well, what do you like most about that? So now I'm getting you into you into evaluation. Yeah, because if I can get your evaluation around why you live in a place you live and what your likes are, I might be able to work out whether we should be friends <laughs> or whether I'm going to go, you know what, I'm not sure 
this, you know, Sonia is my usual friend, but I'm going to make an, an extra effort to see whether Sonia could be my friend, you know? <laughs> Though she said, I like living in place X because of the gas guzzling cars. It's like, okay, I'm not sure that's my value system, but I'm going to now make an extra effort to go, okay, like, tell me more about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because, so do you, see, do you see where I'm going here? Is that walking up to people and going, you know, let's be friends. First of all, you've got to approach them non-verbally in a way that won't trigger their brainstem into fight and flight risk analysis and then you've got to follow a pattern of working out what their what their a data set and then the evaluation of that i could then move to emotion and say so so i understand you love x about living in place y like how does that feel so now i'd move you to telling me the emotions of being there anyway I hope that's given you some ideas of some of the things you can do to get on better. Was there, a, was there a fifth? Yeah, there is. Yeah. So look, you've got, you've got FATIC, you've got data, you've got evaluation of the data. So hierarchy, what is most important about that thing or that area? Then you've got how does that make you feel? What's the feeling you attach to that? And then you've got self-reflection, which is that you feel that way about that value what do you believe that says about you at that point just like you did when i said so that you that you get all this knowledge in order that you you get you know other you want to get other people moving like what does that say about you and if you go back and replay that part of our talk uh, anybody, go back and replay it, okay? Yeah, that's, uh, that's you. Stop, stop yeah, the Yeah, that's stop you. Go podcast. back and replay that. <laughs> and notice how quiet Sonia gets, and she needs a little bit of time as she files around her brain to, tr- to go and find the information on how she feels, uh, how she reflects on herself, what she thinks about herself. Because Sonia has not been asked that question for quite a while. Okay, just because of the nature of the question. When were you ever last asked how you think about yourself? It's like, well, if you're in, maybe if you're in weekly therapy or, or biweekly therapy or once a month, or it should be happening in those situations. But outside of that, even best friends and partners doesn't happen often. But it's the key to human beings is what they think about themselves because that's super unique. You know, look, not everybody will agree with me that, on this, Sonia, but go find me a, a monkey, an ape, a chimpanzee, even a whale. I'm going to say they don't self-reflect, don't think about themselves. Uh, monkeys, like we know monkeys, like they don't even have really the capability of looking back in history because we know that every year when the cheetahs or, the, you know, come, you know, in for the tree dwellers that are in a rainforest and uh, chimpanzees, this would be, you know, as the cheetahs uh, or maybe, you know, whatever, wildcats, the predators come along the ground and they do it about the same time every year, you know, within the cycle. Nobody's ever seen or heard the chimpanzees discuss that event before it happens. No, but they're never going, hey, guys, now, do you not remember like last year, like a whole bunch of predators came by. Oh, we should be super ready for that. We should be ready. We should just organize ahead of time on that one. Yeah. They don't do that because what we know is, is that every year as these things come by, they're like, whoa, whoa, there they are. There they are. Oh no, what a surprise. What a surprise. They're like, suddenly there's this eruption of look, look, look. Now you could, you could go, Okay, well, you know, they're sending out a warning, but we don't see any nonverbal or or sound language animal communication system that even suggests that they're talking about it ahead of time or communicating about it ahead of time, okay? So they're not even reflecting on on their history. Like we're reflecting on our internal state, and that is very, very unique. And so when you get a human being to do that, you're really helping their brain do what it do one of its highest actions, which is to think about themselves. I hope that didn't digress too much. 
and you get the the idea. No, I love that. And self-reflection. I'm actually a coach as well. So I'm always asking people to reflect on themselves. And sometimes people just, they don't do that. And you can tell when they haven't actually spent the time doing that because they always are, you know, their eyes get wide. They kind of are taken aback by the question. And then they actually, once they have a minute to think about it, they're kind of excited to give you their answer. Yeah, their brain is literally excited in an area that doesn't get used a lot. You know, and that's that's the interesting thing. It's not it's not getting used as much as it maybe could be, and that is useful for a human being because we don't have any of this stuff by accident. We don't, you don't have a, have a part of your brain that can self reflect just because it would be nice. <laughs> it's it's essent- the, the brain only has essential stuff in there. Oh, uh, now why do we know that? Because because it's painful for a mother to give birth. And the reason it's painful for the mother to give birth is the head is already really large, uh, overly large compared to like a horse, like a horse, like it's ready to go. A foal is ready to go pretty much immediately. It doesn't take long. It's like, oh, I, I got it. I can walk. I can, I can do a lot of stuff. Like a human brain is already massive yeah, and still can't do a lot of the stuff that it's going to want to do. And it's already painful to get that head out okay so like so like the the human being is not our adaption to our to our niche to what helps us survive is not doing that because it would be nice it's doing it's giving us a big brain because it's essential to have one in order to live as we live to be able to to sit in the niche that we sit in and therefore it's probably best to use as much of that thing as we possibly can because it was really painful you know Unless you had uh, drugs for it, which I'm absolutely not against. I would. I'd, I'd, I'd take the drugs. I'd be the first person going, yeah, I, the less I feel during this, the more the more I think it's going to be a good experience for me, you know? So it sounds like if somebody wants to walk into a room and be able to be more approachable or be able to make friends is, number one, walk into the room, be direct, but not not too direct, not too scary, so that you're not alerting this primitive part of somebody's brain saying, oh, there's a threat coming. Mm. And then next is slowly starting to ask questions that aren't too direct, but that also start building this, this, hey, you know, I'm going to ask you questions about yourself. I'm going to see where you're from. I'm going to see how you feel. I'm going to see if you think about yourself and how you feel about yourself. So it's lots of asking questions and getting the person to talk. And that is yeah. one one way to help make friends. So taking that a step further, there's people who seem to be more, I think in your, one of your books, you address charisma, but more charismatic or more magnetic. Is there something that differentiates people that seem to be more magnetic in a room compared to somebody else, even if they're doing these same things at the start of a conversation? Yes, I would say this. Charisma is simply focus. That's all. Charisma is just somebody who is so focused on a thin set of performance that it is super clear what they're doing like it's so clear what they're up to you know imagine somebody at a party and they are utterly focused on eating the cheese that's at the party (laughs) now is it healthy no is it a charisma that people are going to go that person is a god like that is (laughs) Like, like, look at that god of cheese over there. Like, all they do is eat. <laughs> Got to be that a Marvel, cheese. a Marvel character in there somewhere. Incredible. Well, you probably might go at the end of the party. You might go. Did you see that person? Like, just ate all the cheese. Like, like, just ate it all. Uh, you would, you would remark on it. Now, is it? You know, that's maybe not people's ideas of what they think is charisma, but ultimately, it is. It's somebody who is remarkable. You know, they're remarkable for good reasons or bad reasons. And when somebody is super charismatic and everybody's talking about it, it's because they're remarkable. They're remarkably clear around something that is valued highly at the time. You know, Genghis Khan was was utterly charismatic, uh, slaughtered millions and millions of people and ruled ruled his, the you know, most of the planet with an iron fist. So not necessarily our current ideal. Okay, but ultimately, you know, uh, totally focused on that power display, totally focused on that. So, look, if you want to be charismatic, first of all, make a choice. Make a choice on what you're going to do. 
that's the first thing. It's like you can't be charismatic if you haven't made a choice. Uh, you can't. You've only got a limited amount of resource. Even people who are into challenging themselves. You know, I notice in that picture of you on your bike there. Uh, you know, close to a, what looks like a very high snowy mountain to me. I notice you're not doing embroidery at the same time. <laughs> you might go, well, why would I? And I go, because you could challenge yourself, you know, you could challenge yourself to uh, to do cycling and, you know, some very fine needlework at the same <laughs> at the same time. I mean, you might go, well, you know, I think it would be hard to do both of those things. They're very departed from each other. One is that he's using, you know, large motor skills and the other is, you know, really fine detail uh, motor skills. And I go, well, challenge yourself. And but ultimately, like you've made a choice, haven't you? It's like pick a mountain. <laughs> Pick a, pick a pick a way you're going to go up it and a time of year and yes it might be difficult but but do it you know do that it's going to be a challenge do it so you can't pick everything yeah you pick one thing and so you make a choice uh, then what you do is you make it bigger your first choice was probably safe yeah your first choice was probably you going yeah I reckon I'll be okay so now so now or your first choice to be charismatic was probably, uh, yeah, if I choose that, I probably won't fail it. So so if I do fail, you know, probably won't fail. And it's, it's, it's probably not a big enough choice. So if I fail, probably nobody will notice. because No, you've got to pick one, which is big enough that like people will really notice if you get that one wrong. Yeah, because they're going to have to notice it in the first place. They've got to go, well, what is that person doing over there with such extreme focus and if that doesn't go right we're gonna we're gonna notice that that didn't go right like that's because it's very clear what they're doing now here's the next so make a choice make it bigger okay and the third part of this is keep it tidy keep it tidy here's what tends to happen the moment you've made that bigger choice then your brain goes yeah but i could add this to it and i could do this to it you know and i could do this and this and then i could add all these things to it and it would make it even better no it wouldn't it'll make it muddy and we won't see it because you're now trying to hide it you're now trying to hide that big choice in a bunch of other little things that you think will make it even better if we see it you know, or probably it will hide it behind the foliage that you put in there. So make a choice, make it bigger, and then keep it tidy. Don't add anything. And then go for that and, and do that. That essentially is my model for uh, how do you be an artist, really? How do you create something? How, and and that's, what, that's what you're doing if you're being charismatic. You're creating a very clear communication around what you're trying to get done and the big goal of that, and you're not making it muddy. Again, I hope that makes sense to, uh, to people. Yeah, and I imagine that there is a high level of self-reflection in somebody who is charismatic because they have to be okay or safe enough with themselves to put themselves out there and be clear and big enough so that they could put something out there and people might not like it, but they could be focused and people might not like it. Yeah. So I think there's potentially one or the other, that there is a great deal of self-reflection and reflection on the risk and purposely taking the risk, going, oh, if I do that and I focus on that, uh, people will really know. And if I fail, here is the punishment for failing. Here's what's going to happen if I fail around that. And they either go, I'm not willing to take that punishment, or they go, I don't take that punishment. I'm willing to step up the punishment of failure, yeah, as much as I'm willing to step up to the prize of success, okay? So there's that group, yeah? And then there's also uh, psychopaths who just don't feel the risk. <laughs> they don't feel the – well, there's the psychopaths and there's – as a good generalization, this is just a generalization, and I'll tell you why that is in the moment. The psychopaths and there's males between about the age of 14 and 26, okay? Which is when, as a good generalization, their testosterone levels are peaking more generally, consistently higher than most females as a generalization on the planet. Though pick individuals and outliers, and you'll find that's absolutely not true, okay? Uh, because, you, you know, you can pick a female on one day who will have higher testosterones than that male over there on, on day X, 
Okay, but as a general, and we know as a generalization that's true, because actuaries have to ensure the population of the Earth for driving cars, and and we know what they they know the data is, which is if you're a male between the ages of you know driving age or earlier, and around the age of 26, 27, something around that, you will pay more for your car insurance. Why is that? Because it is most probable and likely your testosterone levels will most probably and likely be higher than most probably and likely females, okay? Which means that as testosterone levels go, testosterone does all kinds of things, causes hair to grow, bone density, bone growth, all of that stuff. One of the things it does to the brain is reduce the idea of risk. It makes the world feel less risky. Okay, doesn't make the world less risky. It makes it feel less risky. Okay, so if you want to have a world where you feel very, very confident, yeah, get yourself some testosterone. Other stuff will happen, by the way. Okay, you can't stop that stuff, but suddenly you'll go, as many males go at that age, they'll go, I think I can make it. And some of them do, and some of them don't. Okay, some of them do, and some of them don't. So you can find that in that piece about, you know, I guess being charismatic, that there are the risk, there are the people that assume the risk and take on the risk who've really thought about it. And then there's psychopaths where the risk doesn't, just they don't care. Don't care. Social risk, who cares about people? They're not important. They're just, other people are just a blight on the planet. They're just worms. They're just insects compared to, the might of the psychopath they don't their brain isn't set up for all kinds of ways socially as your my my brain would be uh, and is so and then there's testosterone which will cause you to go you know what i don't think there's even a risk and everybody around will go watch out watch out watch it watch out oh dear and they'll either go oh dear or they'll go whoa they made it they made it that was amazing you know one or the other one or the other. So I want to talk about truth plane. I noticed that you're gesturing a lot with your hands in the video. Mm. And I know talking with your hands and using hands and body language is important when it comes to being on video. Like that's something that I've kind of, I talk with my hands, but my video is not at a height where you can see my hands. So if I tilt my camera down, it cuts my head off a bit, but you'd be able to see my hands moving more. Can you, can you talk about truth plane? versus grotesque plane and sort of these some of these body language things you're doing? Mm. Look, so one of the things that marked me out early on from any other nonverbal expert out there or writer out, out there was I, I wrote a book called Winning Body Language, which was the first ever committing to paper this idea that the horizontal level at which you gesture has an incredibly profound effect on the way people judge you and what you're saying. So not just the gestures that your hands are making, but literally the horizontal level compared to your body. Because your our bodies across the planet are very much the same, very much the same. And the relationship in height that the hands are to the rest of that body helps other people and yourself understand the frame of mind, the operation, um, the situation that you may well be in, how you're thinking and feeling about the world. And so when you have hands at navel height, which is a very vulnerable area of your body, especially if you're doing open palm gestures at navel height, signal of no tools, no weapons at exactly naval height, you will feel very calm and assertive. People will see you as calm and assertive. Your voice will become calm and assertive, okay? Though you may not be, okay? But if you do it, yeah, it will trigger your breathing and your endocrine system and the neurochemicals that are then going around your brain into a state, a theory around being more calm and assertive. And that theory will impress upon other people as well, because they'll internally mirror you with their mirror neurons and project that theory of mind, that experience onto you and go, hey, Mark is confident right now. It's like, they don't know. They don't know anything about me. Yeah, but they are certainly confident in me. They feel they can trust me right now. Why? Because I'm being very clear with them in my gesture planes, which means means I'm charismatic right now. I'm easy to judge and easy to judge right. 
you know? So, uh, so Truth Plane at Naval Height, Open Palm Gestures, where I'm spending a lot of time with you today because we're on camera together. I'm not actually in the same physical space as you. And also because people are listening to this right now and they can't even see me. Mm-hmm right now is that I need to make sure that my voice has some energy in it that is most likely to attract their attention over an hour. So I actually have my hands most of the time at chest height right now, which actually raises my heart rate, my breathing rate, gets me quite excited. And what should be happening is, is you're seeing that, okay? And so you're getting a theory of mind that I'm excited that I'm passionate about it. Now, maybe I am or maybe I'm not, but your theory will most likely be that. And and you, you know, everybody listening to me right now, which is everybody listening to me right now, you'll be picking up on that excitement in my voice. Because look, here's what I'm going to do right now. I'm just going to let my hands hang down by my side in what I call the grotesque plane, which is now... uh, The physiological effect of that is to take down my heart rate and my breathing rate uh, that's now changing the levels of oxygen and carbon dioxide in my bloodstream. And everybody will know that the vagus nerve is now picking up on those levels. And based on that, first of all, deciding what the endocrine system should be doing with that, those levels. And so then the endocrine system is producing some chemicals to, to deal with that, which eventually get into my past the uh, blood-brain barrier. And those are, as you can hear, and as you can, as you, Sonia, will be able to see, but everybody will be able to hear, that's changing the way my mind is working right now. But because I'm charismatic, I focused on that. I'm not changing those gestures. I'm not changing that. I've made a decision. I've made it bigger, and I'm keeping it tidy. It is influencing all of you into a state around me that might not be that conducive to you listening much longer. Though you have in front of you, voted for by my peers, the number one expert in my field in the world, um, my guess is that information doesn't really uh, do anything for you because you're copying my behaviors to get theory of mind. And it's not Though it's charismatic, it's not. It doesn't have a value that you want at the moment. So I'm just going to shift my hands immediately up to chest <laughs> height, and you're going to notice just how quickly you start to mirror me, and how quickly that that state of mind changes for me and changes for you. And you'll probably be able to work out, yeah, this is much better. An hour of this is probably more tolerable than the hour of marking what we call the grotesque plane. So there, I've just given you three there, which is the truth plane, uh, the passion plane, the grotesque plane. There's also closure and disclosure, thought, imagination, uh, and also uh, the ecstatic as well. I mean, I could actually just let me, uh, all I'm going to do now is stick my hands right above my head as I do this. And you'll have noticed like this has gone way beyond passion now into what we call the ecstatics from the Greek ecstasis to literally be outside of yourself, to for your soul, to rise up outside of your body. And so look, you know, if, if we're going to be together for say, just like another hour, of this, do you think this is going to be tolerated? You, like, can you stand this? Can you go with this ecstatic person talking to you? I mean, I've seen Sonia, your face now has changed completely into this like, kind of wide eyed smile as you look at yourself. You think of yourself, who is this charismatic, almost, you know, priest of, of behavior uh, in, fr- in, in front of you? But will you be able to tolerate this for another hour? My chances probably no. And passion, you know, just notice as I move down to passion, yeah, this is passion and it's tolerable. I move down to truth plane down here, very factual, very calm, very assertive. Let me just put my hands now down into the grotesque plane that's there hanging down by my side. <laughs> Again, I just want to go up to passion again. I want you to notice just how quickly I can change my behavior and change your perception of of me. Anyway, hope you like that demonstration, everybody. Yeah, I think that's a good thing for people to take into this week is noticing where your hands are 
and noticing how that impacts how you sound or what your energy might be like, and then trying to manipulate that in some ways. I don't know if that's a wrong word to use manipulate, but moving your hands somewhere different to see how that shifts the energy and how that changes the energy of the people around you too. Yeah. Manipulate is a good word. It's got a bad rap. I don't know quite why, but it's got a bad rap. Originally the word manipulate uh, comes from many hands to move with your hands. Another reason why uh, it's so painful for our mothers to give birth to us is uh, we are going to be able to use our hands dexterously. And that takes a massive neocortex, motor neocortex, in order to move your hands like we move our hands. Um, Sonia, if you had have been doing fine needlework while uh, <laughs> while cycling, and I still can't work, work out why you don't want to do the both together, it would be an utter challenge for you. You, you know, it would be tricky because you're going to have to use fine motor neurons in order to do that fine needlework at the same time as using the, the other motor neurons, which are moving those big muscle groups, you know, at, at the same time. Really hard to do uh, and really hard to get blood to those big muscle groups and to the, to the motor cortex at the same time to do fine needlework, which is why most people can't do embroidery at the gymnasium. You know, get yourself on the leg press, yeah? <laughs> Move those muscles to failure and see how good a sewer you are. <laughs> it's like you're going you're gonna to give up really, because you don't have the brain capacity. Well, your, mom, your mom might. My mom, probably, my mom probably could, yeah. You, probably with, with skill. <laughs> but you shouldn't, have, you shouldn't have the blood capacity for that. The, the, the neocortex is 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 um is really really big I, I can't even remember where i was going on that but uh, oh it was about the word manipulate and you're saying oh yeah yeah, yeah. so manipulate yeah. yes the hands um so the reason the reason we have this big brain is because we're going to be able to move our fingers and part of that same part of the brain the raucous area deals with language as well um, so, so manipulation is about being able to move the world. We move the world with our fingers and our hands on the whole, or we move it with our words. And so we manipulate with our hands and we manipulate with our words. Like I can, um, uh, I, like I can manipulate the word, the, the world, um, uh, you know, I can manipulate the world for you by going, hey, you know, you, that group over there, I got frozen out. I got frozen out of that group. What? So that group took you to minus zero degrees, did they? I mean, that's because I just manipulated the world there by telling you that something is something that it is not. I told you that my being pushed out of that group, I was frozen and I clearly wasn't. But I told you that I was. And that's what we call metaphor. And, you know, the reason it's so painful for our mums to give birth is that the brain is big enough that it can create things like metaphors. Monkeys don't do it. Apes don't do it. Chimpanzees don't do it. Ants don't do it. All the social insects do not have metaphors. Chimpanzees do not have metaphors. Okay? Whales do not have metaphors. They don't call anything anything else than what it actually is. Yeah. And even then they can't displace it. They can't put it at a different point in time. Yeah. I can say, hey, back then I was totally frozen out. Like, wow, you took a metaphor and you displaced it in time as well. What a manipulation. Well, that's what we do. We manip that we that is we are manipulators. The Egyptians, their god of language, uh Thoth. It as a gibbon, and and Thoth was depicted as a gibbon because it was the closest thing that the Egyptians had in terms of the dexterousness of the hands, and so the Egyptians knew that we were as we were because of this dexterous nature, not only of the hands but because of the hands in language that we could draw pictures on things with our hands and create a world that wasn't actually there and leave language on the walls that would mean that forward in time, you as a person that had left the language on the walls could make a difference to the time in front of you. After you were dead, you could make a difference. Like you write a book and after you're dead, you can still make a difference. People can still commune with you and your ideas. So manipulation is a great thing there. Well, there's so much that we could continue talking about. I feel like we barely scratched the surface of what we could talk about. So where can people find your work? And I mean, there's literally hundreds of hours people could spend learning more and more about themselves in the world and other people. Yeah. So you will find me at truthplane.com, T-R-U-T-H-P-L-A-N-E, truthplane.com, or 
link in with me. I'm Mark Bowden. Find me on LinkedIn. Link in with me. I'll link in with you. I put lots of video on there. Same kind of thing. Me talking. Yeah, your videos are awesome. Or nonsense. <laughs> and if, then if people can see you. Nonsense, you like it, join in. Uh, <laughs> if, if it's brilliant and you like it, join in. Great. Well, Mark, thanks so much for your time. And it was really fun to share your energy and share your space and even learn about Hawaiian shirts. Um, and I really appreciate you and I appreciate the work that you're doing. Well, thanks, Sonia. Thanks for having me. Thanks for having me in your home. I hope you enjoyed that episode. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to the show. I know every single podcaster says that, and it only takes a few seconds. And it's hard to remember to do that because most of us are listening to podcasts on the go. But if you think of us, make sure that you open up your favorite podcast app and just leave us a quick little five-star review because that will help the show reach others. I really appreciate your attention and you being here. And it is my mission to always be bringing new topics and new guests onto the show. If there is something that you really want to learn about or someone that you came across that you think would be fantastic for the show, reach out. I read every single email that comes through my website at sonyalooney.com and there's a contact form there. I look forward to hearing from you. And as always, I'm with you on this journey of personal growth, adventure, and our mission to be better every day. I'll see you right back here next week.